even if you don't feel free right now, you feel stuck, you feel burdened, you feel heavy laden, let me remind you, in Jesus, you are actually free. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you're stuck in right now, He has set you free from the power of sin and death and hell. The rest of this life is going to be hard, but you'll be set free finally. You will. It's not over yet. Don't you quit on me. Don't you stop fighting. Don't you stop living. We're not done yet. Do I need to remind you of that again? You're not done yet. Don't check out and don't quit. You really are free, even if you don't feel like it. Believe it. Live by faith, not by sight. Whatever you are in the middle of, keep living, keep serving, keep fighting. It's worth it. This life is worth it. The people around you are worth it. It's not my favorite song in the world, but I like that message. We are free. Live like it. Be seated. King's kids, are you guys ready? Show me you're ready. Put your hands up. All right. No, no, no helping. Hands up. She's not helping you. There we go. All right. King's kids, if you're second grade on down, you are free to go visit with Miss Rhonda and Miss Miranda. They are ready to have a good time with you. My Bible reader this morning is Eliza. Come on down. Oh, I should have told you I had one too. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's better you have your own version. We'll be reading from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians? Yeah, Philippians. You told me Ephesians. I did it. Then I made a typo because I've been stuck in Philippians for a very, very long time. You see what they have to put up with with me all the time. Um, if While she's turning there, let me just say we appreciate the teens that we have. Youth camp is coming. If you want to sponsor a kid to camp, it's 135 bucks, but we'll take anything. We're spreading the, spreading the camp money out uh, around everybody, so... Hopefully people don't have to pay very much to go to camp. We have several teens that are paying for camp on their own, so you're not just helping parents. You are helping some of these kids who are working their tails off, mowing yards, watching babies, raising money. Um, plus, they also the more money we help them with camp, the more money they take to camp, and then they can have an even better time buying T-shirts and new Bibles and pins and, and slushies and sodas. and yeah, You know where it goes for real, right? Helena, we're going to have to watch you this year. There's a lot of stuff at camp you shouldn't be eating with your new braces. So I'm, I'm just doubling down on there. I'm, I'm going to dad you real bad. Um, so if you want to help at camp, just make a donation. We'll make sure it's Club 52 is what we call our youth fund. If you ever hear Club 52, that's us. You ready? Yep. I stall enough? Yeah. Did you pre-read it again? Uh, no. Yeah. But sure. All right. What are we reading today? <laughs> Philippians 3. 8 through 14. 8 through 14. All right, go. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may, know, and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make this my own, 
because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have been made my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining for forward for what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Well done. I did not have a title ready by the time we printed this bulletin off on Wednesday, so you're going to have to pencil it in, okay? The goal and prize of faith. That's what we're talking about today. That's where Paul is capturing my attention. The goal and prize of faith. Quick review after you write that down. Quick review. Paul opens chapter 3 with rejoice and look out for the dogs. We're the real circumcision because we have faith, not works. And in chapter 3, verse 3, Paul talks about three marks of what it is to be a Christian. The first mark was worship in the Spirit. That's to worship God's Spirit, not in our own spirit or our own way or however we want, but to worship in the Spirit is to worship how God wants, according to truth as revealed by Jesus' hand-chosen apostles and the prophets of old. Another mark of Christians is that they glory in Jesus Christ. They glory in Christ Jesus. We do not glory in ourselves. We do not boast about what great works we have done for God as if God needs us to do anything. We boast in what God has done for us. And the third mark of a Christian is they put no confidence in the flesh. We do not trust ourselves for salvation. So after salvation, we should not revert to trusting ourselves for maintaining salvation. It's not our job. We have things to do, but we don't keep ourselves saved. God keeps us saved. He works through us so we can know Him better. So we should not trust our flesh. We trust Jesus Right after that, Paul launches into how self-righteous he used to be. And he says his rituals, his nationalism, his tribalism, his rank, his law-keeping, his zeal, and his self-proclaimed blamelessness was poisonous without Jesus. Last week in verses 9, 10, and 11, Paul explained justification, sanctification, glorification. And my favorite part from last week was to know Him and the power of His resurrection and fellowship of His sufferings, being slowly, patiently conformed even to His death. What a life verse. <laughs> to know Him. That's why I'm here. To know Him. To know His power, His power, that the same power that resurrected Him will resurrect me. The same power that pulled Him through all of His sufferings, it will pull me. He can keep me. He can guard me. The same power of Jesus will conform me to be like Him. Oh, what a heart. And Paul says in verse 11, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So we talked about justification, sanctification, and glorification. 
This was an unused uh, outline for that sermon. Found in him, know him, and attain him. That's what he, that's what he meant. To be found in him is to be declared righteous. To know him is to make it through all the suffering in life. You can do it with him. And to attain him is our ultimate goal and our ultimate prize. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Paul's future hope for future grace is for future perfection. So right after he says in verse 11, I'm doing all this, I want to know him in order that I may attain him, he pumps the brakes in verse 12 and gives us a little clarification and says, not that I've already obtained it completely or have already become perfect. So verse 12, we have some clarification. And essentially he says, this is not my glorified state. I have not arrived yet. Oh, trust me, it's beautiful to know Jesus. Trust me, I have been justified. Trust me, God has declared me righteous, not by my own works, but by faith. And yes, I am going to attain perfection in Jesus, but I'm not there yet. He's been speaking in some very lofty and high terms, and he pulls back just a little bit here in verse 12 to remind everybody, because you know these Philippians, they look up to this guy, right? I, they've got him on a pedestal. This is the guy who led them to Jesus. This is the guy who started their church. This is the guy who led the Philippian jailer to Jesus. This is the guy who was beaten unlawfully, went to jail, and didn't, and didn't rub it in the officials' faces, though he used it for some leverage. He bought us some freedom. You know why they're not being persecuted in Philippi right now when a lot of other churches are being persecuted? Because Paul stood up to them and said, I'm a Roman citizen. He used some leverage there. Paul wasn't going to take them to court, but they didn't know that. Paul was clever. He used his experiences to further the name of Jesus. He bought them some time. That church is growing. That church is flourishing. And they're sending Paul money. You don't send money to people you don't love. Come on now. Well, maybe, maybe sometime. Maybe you, it's graduation and wedding season, right? Friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, and you're going to send 20 bucks or, or whatever. But usually through the course of your life, you're going to put money where your heart is. These people love Paul, and they're repeatedly sending him funds. So he is high and lifted up in their estimation. They count him as the father in the faith, and he pulls it down a little bit. He said, guys, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't obtained it yet he even says it i've not already become perfect pretty clear statement there but i do press on i press on i lean forward that i may lay hold of that for which also i was laid hold of by christ so he says press on when when he says that phrase press on it's, it's a very strenuous uh, athletic hard work imagery it's a, it's a graphic image that you should you should see him sweating a little bit straining a little bit it's not walking and reaching out for something it's it's st stretching effort of something reaching for something that's just ahead he's not there he's just just out of his reach 
especially when somebody is tired or weak. You don't press on at the very beginning of something. You press on after you've exerted some energy, some time, some effort, and you haven't received it yet. Then that you need to have some uh, strength and endurance to go a little further, a little further, a little further. This is Paul. He's been doing this for a while. He's planted a few churches. He's been through a few shipwrecks. He's straining. He's, he has literally the scars on his back. He's straining. He's already said he'd rather be present with the Lord. Do you remember that? To live is Christ and to die is gain. He's already looking forward to that and he's already acknowledged, however, it's better for you guys that I stay here and teach you and train you and give you more of an example. He's ready to go. He is ready to die and be with Jesus. But while he's alive, this is the motto for his life. I press on. Even though I'm tired, even though I'm weary, there's something just ahead. I haven't reached it yet. What is he pressing on for? Is he pressing on for perfection? No. He's not promoting an ideal for himself. He's not looking for something to achieve within himself. Paul is looking for Jesus. Perfection is only in Christ because only Christ is perfect. Jesus is perfection itself. Because when he talks about gaining eternal life, when he talks about uh, passing on, when he talks about dying, when he talks about glorification, he doesn't talk about perfection. He talks about Jesus. He talks about a person, not a place. Which is interesting to me. He's not looking to escape. He's looking to arrive. And that's a very big shift in thinking. Because I, I come across a lot of people who are ready to die because they're tired and they're worn out and they're weary. Paul's tired. He's a little worn out and he's weary, but he's not looking to escape. He's not looking for life to end. He's ready to arrive, and he's ready for a new life to begin. He's looking for a new, fresh home. But is it a home? Does he talk about a home? This guy won't shut up about Jesus. Jesus is what he's looking for. Paul is looking for a God who will satisfy him completely. He's not talking about a banquet. He's not talking about uh, anything else. Paul is looking for a God who will satisfy him completely. That's his hope. That's his real mission in life, not perfection. So in a, in a roundabout way, well, Paul's looking for happiness. Um, yes, Paul is looking for happiness. But Paul will be the first one to tell you it's only in Jesus. He wants his happiness to be wrapped up in Jesus Christ. He has tasted enough of Jesus in this life to realize that Jesus is all Paul ever wants, and he's never going back to his old life. Uh, if Paul had a boat, he would have said full throttle. If Paul had a car, he would have said pedal 
to the metal. If Paul had a plane, what would he have said? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> we have liftoff. <laughs> if Paul had a space shuttle, he'd have said three, two, one. <laughs> uh, he doesn't. So he, he uses an analogy that, that we can still identify with, but he's, he's straining, he's leaning, he's counting down, he's ready, he's putting all of his effort into not just starting, but moving forward. I like this about Paul. And there's a very interesting phrase in verse 12. He says, I press on. Okay, I got that. Leaning, straining, going. <clears throat> in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. That's a pretty clunky English sentence. Um, but it's, it's rendering as closely as possible to Paul's original wording. That's why it's clunky, because he's speaking a different language. The ESV smooths it out a little bit by saying, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That, that's a little clearer. I like that. In other words... Paul says, I'm doing something because Jesus has already done something. Jesus went first, and now I'm following him. And I, the picture that was in my, in my mind is this picture of Jesus sneaking up on Paul on the Damascus Road and just bear-hugging him. Show me the next picture. Oh, yeah, I'll fill that in first. Then we got a picture. Forgot about that one. Okay, or just go right to that one. So, top left corner, Jesus stops Paul, and Paul's like, who? <laughs> like, like, what? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on, right? I was like, this guy's like, wait, what? Uh, top right corner is kind of that awkward hug, right? Like, that, Jesus giving Paul a hug. Paul's the awkward one. Paul's like, arms down, leaning back. Who are you, right? I don't know what, what it, you're acting like this is a relationship. I don't even know who you are. Bottom left, somebody that, that's Paul being squeezed by Jesus. Somebody, he, he can't control it. He doesn't know what's going on. It's out of his control. That, that's the point. But this, this, this one here, the back attack, that's off a self-defense page, by the way. I'm just Googling images, right? Jesus doesn't, doesn't hit him from the front. Jesus has a grip on Paul, stuns him, blinds him. Paul asks the right question, who, who are you, Lord? Yeah. Jesus reveals himself, and then, in the spirit of this picture, bear hug, saves, Jesus saves Paul, and then Jesus puts Paul down, and Jesus says, follow me. And I see Jesus walking away. Come on, you got much to do for me. And Paul begins learning. Paul begins praying. Paul is baptized. Paul begins evangelizing. Paul starts planting churches. Do you realize for the rest of Paul's life, here's what I see going on. For the rest of Paul's life, Paul realizes who hugged him at the start. And Paul wants to hug him back, but he can't. Paul was embraced by Jesus, saved by Jesus, and Paul was paralyzed and he didn't even know what was going on. And then Jesus just put him to work. And the rest of Paul's life, he's like, I got to get that guy. I, wanna, I want to reciprocate. I want to hug him back. 
I want to be with Jesus. I want, and everything that he does, he does it in the name of Jesus. He does it for the sake of Jesus. He wants to get back to Jesus. And the only thing he can do while he's still alive, he knows he's not going to arrive and be face to face with Jesus till he dies. So in the meantime, he's going to reveal Jesus' love to as many people as he has to along the way. Whoever, and that's Paul's life. Whoever God puts in front of this guy, that's who Paul's going to witness to. He, he's not complicated. Paul didn't have to go to any seminars on how to share the gospel. He doesn't have to have, he doesn't have, to have tracts. He doesn't have to have pamphlets. He doesn't have a process. He has Jesus. And he thinks everybody is his mission. <laughs> Whoever's in front of Paul, he's coming after him because he loves them in the name of Jesus. That's what he's doing. So as Jesus reveals himself to Paul, I see Paul wanting to reciprocate and cling to Jesus, but he, he, he says in verse 12, I can't yet. I haven't obtained it yet. I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. I'm trying to lay hold of that which first laid hold of me. That's what he wants to do. Now, full disclosure, I don't think Paul was thinking about bear hugs when he wrote this. Paul is simply longing for the full presence of God. Write that down. Paul is longing for the full presence of God, and he's going to find it in Jesus. And he knows Jesus has a resurrected body. He knows he can be with Jesus, see Jesus, touch Jesus. He's looking forward to the day when God makes all things right and starts his real kingdom on earth. But he's not there yet. So what is he doing in the meantime? Well, he's an ambassador and he's a hard worker. So he's going to get to work sharing Christ, making Christ known and giving up anything that gets in the way. Verse 13, he has a little more clarification. Verse 13, Paul says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. And he's going to say it again in verse 14, I press on. But in verse 13, there's a little more clarification. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Paul is telling us again, he does not feel like he has completely succeeded yet. He does not feel like he has arrived. He's confessing there is more in his life that he can lay down for Jesus. All of his church planting, all of his suffering for Jesus, all of the power Paul has felt in his miracle working for other people, all of the elders he has appointed, all of the deacons he has ordained, all the things he's done, all the money he has raised to feed the needy. And he says, I'm, I'm forgetting that. He's not just forgetting the poisonous things of his past. He's also taking the good things and looking for more. He's not even what we would call resting on his laurels. He's not waving his banner. Look at all the stuff that I've done. He'll talk about that stuff, but he keeps pressing on because he hasn't arrived yet. If you haven't arrived yet, you don't stop and glory in all that you have done when God has more for you to do. I'm forgetting the things. I'm leaving them behind. Why? Verse 14, he says it again. 
I press on. He's not resting upon his good works. Paul is certainly not spending time trying to figure out why, why bad things have happened to him. He is not spending any time stewing on the past, stirring up things, trying to figure everything out. He's not trying to get answers for his old life. You know why? Because he's justified in Christ. He's being sanctified, and eventually God is going to tidy it all up and glorify him and remove every thorn that he has in the flesh. And he still has a thorn in the flesh. It's God's grace that allows him to get up and keep doing what he does best. I press on. I still press on. And here's my question to you, Christian. Are you stuck in the past? There are no good old days. There are just old days. And some of them were good. But there is... Sometimes the reason you don't like the now is just because you know more about the now. If we dig deep enough to the old days, the old life, all the same problems that haunt humanity and our country right now, they've always been there. You just didn't know about it. Now you've got it in your pocket. And you're hearing about what's going on around the world in real time. The good old days were days of ignorance, mostly. When it was just our little world and our little family and my kids were little and they didn't have all these problems. Other families had those problems when you didn't see it. Other families had those struggles when you didn't know it. Now we just know more. We are saturated with more information than we can process. Why is anxiety and stress and mental breakdowns through the roof right now in our society? It's overload. Turn it off, put it away, check out and spend time being real about your life and move on. If you really are justified in Christ, He's declared you righteous. Forgive yourself and forgive other people. If you really believe Jesus is in your life today and is changing you and sanctifying you, then your motto is not look back, I press on. I press on. I press on. I love this part of the Apostle Paul. I want to be like that. Whatever speed bumps, whatever roadblocks life hits Paul with, he either blows through the wall like a human cannonball or he just goes the other way. He, just, he, he finds a way. He finds a way to talk about Jesus. Sometimes, sometimes it's confrontational. Sometimes it's conversational. Like he is all things to all people. He's living the Christian life that, that we can live. But he's not stuck. He's leaning forward. There's just today. So live for Jesus now. Trust God now. Paul has not arrived anywhere near perfection. Um, so I haven't either. If this guy hasn't arrived, I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. Agreed? So what are we going to do? Move forward. Lean forward. Here's a phrase that captures, I think, his uh, mentality. 
Live your best life now and live better tomorrow. <laughs> live your best life now. Do what is right today for the people you are interacting with today or will interact with today. And then do better tomorrow. And when I say best and when I say better, those are very relative terms to whatever is going on in your life. And there are a lot of things we can throw out there. Um, and when I was just first just, just banging this out, oh yeah, here's what it means to live better. I need to, here's what it means to here, live better tomorrow. Man, I need to, man, I need to serve more people. I need to show more forgiveness. I need there to be more grace in my life. Uh, I need to be more faithful. I need to be more honest. I need to be more true. I need to be more respectable. I need to be more helpful to other people. There needs to be more gospel coming out of my life. There needs to be more evangelism. There needs to be more discipleship. There needs to be more forgiveness. And, and I, just, I just kept just, just typing away. Oh, this is going to be a long sermon. I got a lot of mores. I got a lot of things to say. But then it kind of hit me. It's like, no, that's not. That's not the formula Paul's aiming for. Because in chapter 2, he already told me what he's aiming for. Don't forget what he said is our highest calling. If you want to do better tomorrow, the secret is not just doing greater things. Sometimes you need to just do the same thing again. And because you've done it another day, you're better. It doesn't have to be bigger. It just needs to be more regular and consistent. And it could be the same thing, the same little Bible reading program you've been doing since you were little, the same, the same amount you've been giving faithfully. It could be the same, but, because, but it's not the same. Because you've done it again, it's better because they stack. Your life is about growing. It's growing. It's growing. And Paul's given me the secret to this growth. He's given you the secret to this growth. Um, I'm debating whether or not to open up the audience and let you take a guess, but I'm going to do it. You, but you never know what you're going to get from a crowd like this. I'm a little nervous here. What, more what? What do you think the secret is? What, what do you think the secret is? More, more what? What is, what is really going to make your life better? And it's not those things. It's not on that page. What, what do you think? What do you think? What? Faithfulness. Faithful. That's a good one, too. It's not the one I'm looking for. Good answer, though. That's good. That's, that's, that's what I'm hinting at with the faithfulness of just doing the same thing, doing the right thing over and over again. That's good. Trust. That's good, too. That's the, well, he's talked about that by faith. He interchanges trust and faith and belief. So he has touched on that, but that, that's not even what he gives us when he gives us the example of Jesus. Here's your hint. What did Jesus do that he calls us to do? How did he show obedience? He did it consistently. That's a good adjective, but I'm looking for a bigger word than that. Following. Okay. I'm giving this side a chance now because they're just kind of, this is the quiet crowd. You, I really appreciate you all over here and the way you talk. I do like that. I'm not turning my back on you, but I am. Anybody over here want to take a shot at it? Philippians 2, not the Sunday school answer. Thank you. This is the word I'm looking for. Two words, actually. I'm going to put them on the screen for you. You ready? 
Here's how you can be more better. Humbleness and humility. Humbleness and humility. This is the secret sauce. Because what I'm saying when I say humbleness and humility is, less of you, please. More of Jesus. Less of you, please. And then you'll trust Him. Less of you, please. And then you'll obey Him. You know when it's hard to obey? When you want to do something. So when you say obedience, I agree with obedience. When you say faithfulness, I agree with faithfulness. But you're never going to get there until you stop making yourself the boss of your own life. You've got to humble yourself and accept the life God gives you. And sometimes that means serving some smelly, ugly people. Mm, mm, mm. That's harsh to me. Jesus is stepping on my toes because there are a lot of things I want to do for him. But this is the hardest. To acknowledge that I can't do anything for him. That is a person he can work with. Because he wants to do all things through us. He wants his spirit to guide us into all truth. But we, we have to humble ourselves, stop living life on our terms, our way. This is, the, this is the interaction here. Paul is humbling himself, and he's pressing on to know Jesus. That's the heartbeat of his life, is Jesus Christ. Humbleness, humility. And I'm seeing John the Baptist in a new light. I think one of the reasons why Jesus liked this guy, loved this guy, because he seemed to get it from the start. He must increase. I must decrease. I think that's one of the things that made John the Baptist phenomenal. And Jesus praised him for it. Because he didn't make much of himself. He's even telling his own disciples to go follow Jesus. He's greater than me. I, I don't, he's greater, greater than I could ever be. I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandal. Are you kidding me? Follow him. Yep, he got it. I want to get it like that. I want to get it like that. We're not inviting people to church. We're not inviting people to heaven. We're not inviting people to be released of their guilt or their shame or their misery. We are inviting people to find in Jesus... Purpose, meaning, fulfillment, happiness, life. That's our message. That's what we press on for. Not everybody is. So you're going to look like a weirdo. Because you're going to pray more than other people. You're going to sing differently than other people. You're going to rejoice. You're going to handle your cancer different than other people your struggles your pains your relationships the title was the goal and prize of faith let me be really clear right here the goal is not heaven and the prize is not heaven paul does not say that's his goal or his prize 
his goal, his prize, his greatest reward is his calling to be with that good God forever in Christ Jesus. What will Paul get when he is with Jesus? Hug, part two. You realize this guy's just chasing love? He's just chasing love. He is head over heels in love with Jesus. Not in a creepy way, in a very deep, meaningful way. The only person who will ever completely satisfy Paul is Jesus. And he lives like it. He lives like it. Christian, I want your goal to not be heaven. Our ultimate prize is not heaven. It's God. Last blanks, ready? Are you found in him? Do you know him? Will you attain him? Justification, sanctification, glorification. Are you found in him? Young people, if you want to put yourself in that category, feel free. Young people, press on towards knowing Jesus better. Because there's more to know about him than what you've seen in me or your family or your friends. There's more, a lot more. There's a lot more. You haven't learned everything from your parents, especially the things that matter. Young people, press on to know Jesus. Read, study, pray, and ask good questions. Press on. And you're going to be different from other people. And you may find yourself the only person sometimes who is pressing on in the right way. It's okay. Narrow is the road, and few are the people who find it that leads to Jesus. But you'll find him. Adults, press on towards knowing Jesus better because there is more to life than bills. There's more to life than houses. There's more to life than plumbing. Amen. There's more to life than raising your kids the right way. There's more to life than hobbies, winning games, or staying fit. There's more to experiencing God than, than you have experienced. And, adults, we run the danger of falling into some patterns that served us well in the past that we need to tweak and change so we can serve God better today and in the future. Don't keep doing the good old things when there may be better things. Learn some new tricks. Learn some new ways of connecting with Jesus, serving Jesus, and teaching other people about Jesus. Fall, press in. Press on. Lean forward. There's more. And for my older saints, don't quit. Don't coast. There's way more to life than doctor's visits. There's way more than medications. There's way more than your little chores. God has more for you. Press into that. Lean into that. At your season of life, you have more time alone. Use it wisely. Pour into some new people. Maybe you just need some new young people in your life to pour into. Because maybe all the regular young people don't listen to you anymore. That's okay. Find somebody. It's super simple. Walk into a restaurant and buy somebody a meal. They'll probably listen to you. 
Buy some coffee for some young people at a place you don't usually go to. There's more. There's more. Cards, letters, visits. You can do a lot with the time that God has given you. Press on. Don't coast. There's more. Every single stage of life, every single season of life is an opportunity to live for yourself or to live for Jesus. And in Paul, I see somebody who is going to keep living for Jesus. So press on. God is our great reward. Jesus is our goal and our prize. Is he? Really? He is. It is in Christ that we will find everything we've ever needed. So stand with me and let's pray. Bow your head and close your eyes and just imagine Jesus giving you a big bear hug for a second. Reflect upon the day when you first understood that God is great and you didn't deserve it. Think about a time when he surprised you with his grace. Is there anything in your life God is telling you to stop chasing with your own mind and with your own heart? Is there anything in your past God is telling you to give up on? Stop and forgive. Is there anything in your life, any sins you've committed that you haven't confessed? Confess. Put it in the past. Get right with God. Forgive yourself. Forgive other people. And then forgive again tomorrow. And then forgive again the next day. Forgive. You'll get better at it. Just keep forgiving. Do what Jesus calls you to do and you will become the person Jesus wants you to be. Or maybe there's something specific God wants you to do to press on and chase after Him better. Is there somebody specific in your life that you need to reconcile with? Share the gospel with? Is there somebody in your life you need to bless and just say thank you to? Or maybe there's a task, some God-given chore you know you need to do in order to grow in your faith, to grow in your trust, to grow in your love for God. Let this quiet moment be your chance to turn away from yourself and to turn more towards God. God, we come at you right now with busy lives, wandering hearts, confusion, pain, suffering, grief, everything. We bring it to you this morning and we say, help us. Help us to be more like Paul and put things behind us and lean forward into Jesus. Give us the grace that we need to love you like we should. Our biggest problem, God, is not that we love other things too much. It's that we don't love you enough. Our love for you needs to increase. God, 
Change us so it does. Show us your goodness. Show us your glory. Catch us up into an understanding that you are good all the time. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.